Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy... <laughs> I almost forgot the word podcast. <laughs> Song of Ice and Fire something with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brian. Man, there was a bear bear All black and brown and covered in hair Hey everyone, I am Guile and I tweet at Door Podcast and today I'm joined by Kama. Hi, this is Kama and you can find me at Oxford's Place on Twitter. And Devin? Hey, this is Devin. I'm GD Harpo on Twitter. And Clotho. Hi, this is Clotho. You can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. And on today's episode, we are actually going to be discussing... um, the finality, I guess, of the book of Game of Thrones as we have concluded our reread of this first book in the Song of Ice and Fire series. And so we just have a few questions that, or I have a few questions I want to ask the group and, and kind of get into an overall discussion of this first book. And, you know, kind of the first question I have is what was your favorite point of view care? What was your favorite point of view in this book? And has it changed? Um, with this re- with this reread, I'm thinking. Sorry, <laughs> um, I can I can go first Not if you guys want to think. Yes. Um. So, uh, so for me, um, I'm gonna go with Ned Edard, as it were, um, because so much of the story of this first book is in his chapters, um, and he has the most. I forget how many he has. He has but. like eleven, maybe. Maybe, oh no, he has more than that. Actually, I think him and Danny may have the same number. Yeah, yeah, okay. ten or eleven, somewhere around, or somewhere around there. But, um, but just so much of the story we get in this first book, the mystery of it all, of what's really driving um, this first book, is in his POV. So that, that makes it one of my favorite, my favorite in this book. And has that changed for you with this reread, or has it always been Ned? Oh no, it's it's always been Ned. Okay. I'm kind of torn. I mean, Arya's chapters have always kind of at least in this book, I mean, have been kind of special to me. The whole, the sibling stuff, the life is so unfair, you know, her finding, her dealing with so much stuff. And then, of course, her at the end, um, you know, it, it, they've always been kind of special. But I think, I honestly think I have to go with Ned. And I think he was my probably my favorite POV when I first read it for the first time. What about you, Clotho? Um, I think I always gravitated early in towards Bran and John's stories, but I think on the reread, I, I I actually really like Sansa and even like I sort of never really was super um, into not uh, like it wasn't my favorite areas, but I think Sansa and area kind of, got a new respect for in this reread. I think, you know, I, I find Kat's chapters my favorite, but since we had done a reread specifically to her chapters, um, you know, with this specific reread and what we've done, I would agree with Ned and it's not so much driving the story that I guess I, I sort of appreciated like how tightly and beautifully written his mistakes were. Yeah. And maybe like in the sense of a reread where you could see, you know, you could kind of see that coming that I enjoyed it more. So 
beyond like a POV, was there a favorite storyline? So did you find yourself drawn to, you know, Danny's storyline or all the action in King's Landing or Winterfell, um, you know, the Riverlands or the Wall? Like which one of those did you find um, the best this time around? I really like John's a lot. Um, there were parts that kind of annoyed me, but there always it, there's never anything that doesn't. I mean, there's always something, but I, I just liked his. I mean, it's very tropey, uh, it's so tropey, but it's it works really well. I liked. I'm always a sucker for like those movies where the characters in the military and they have their basic training. And that's all here. I mean, mm-hmm. the, there's the friendship with Sam. There's him sort of learning who all his fellow recruits are and sort of him starting to come into his own. I think that it's very powerful for me. And I liked it the first time I, I read it and I definitely appreciated it now. Anyone else want to chime in? I'm trying to think, but I think I would go with John and the wall as well. And including a little bit of Tyrion and their time together when they're traveling um, to the wall. Cause I really love that early, um, the early John and Tyrion things that we get. Um, but yeah, I think, I think John's um, just his story to accepting that, that the, this is his family now. And um, this is where he's meant to be though. I don't know. I don't know if at the end of the book he's fully accepted it, um, but he's on his way to fully accepting it, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I think I think John's uh, storyline. How about you, Clotho? I think mine would be King's Landing just because of the gravitating towards Sansa and Arya's chapters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I'm torn between. Um, I'm you know, this is going to be shocking. And I, but I actually kind of feel like it's still Danny, like, because if I think of the individual chapters and some of the ickiness of it, that that's one thing. But the storyline is still that storyline of this kind of underdog, you know, very much like John, like with this underdog, you know, triumphing in a way. And I, I still like that storyline. Um, you know, obviously rereading it, you know, rereading it this closely, like, this is extremely problematic, but it's still when I think of this book I, and I think of the moments in this book, you know, it comes down to, well, actually, that's another question. So we'll hold on to that. <laughs> but I think, Devin, you had a question from one of the readers or one of the listeners. Um, yes. <laughs> We're not a book. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ancient Octagon on Reddit, um, they ask, what are your top three a Game of Thrones chapters? And I can go. Yeah, go for um, it. Um, the prologue is one of my, um, one of my favorite chapters here. And it's because of, um, the way it draws you into the story with the others and everything just out beyond the wall. Um, and letting you know a little bit about who the Night's Watch is and what, what you think is the book is really going to be about. Um, and then of course this first book is not at all. (laughs) Um, but I I really love the prologue. Um, another, um, my second, well, these are in no particular order, but another is John's second chapter, um, where he's where he leaves Winterfell, and it's mostly because of um, Needle. This is when he gives Arya Needle, and I just love everything about Arya and John, um, and their relationship, and just the goodbyes, and even um, I love when he goes and says goodbye to Bran, um, yeah, and everything there, and. 
where um, I've always liked how, you know, Rob asks, you know, how was my mother or whatever it was he asked. And John just it was fine when it wasn't um, or she was fine when she, you know, she truly wasn't. Um, but I just always loved that John's second chapter. And like I said, a lot of it does have to do with um, Arya and Needle. And then my third would be Arya Five. Um, and it's um, Ned's execution, but it's really everything prior to that that I love so much about it. Because we learn Arya's been living in the streets and how she's been surviving. And it always makes me think about um, just the foreshadowing for her when she's in Bravo's learning. Uh, after she's been to the House of Black and White and learning how to be a faceless man and all that, like she's getting some of those skills here. Um, very early on with just learning how to survive or survive on her own. So I've always loved that chapter. And of course, for the execution and everything um, and what's his face with an Yorin grabbing her and just all that. I, I always love that chapter. So those are my three. I think my favorite, and it's one of my, it's probably in my top three chapters in the entire series. I think it's brand three. And that's the one where he has the the dream with the crows just because I, I think it's like this is the this is the story, and I I love the boyishness that George writes both Bran and actually Bloodraven with, and you know I just I love the imagery. I think it's just an incredibly beautiful chapter, and I would say maybe Cat's um, chapter in the Whispering Wood, just because I think like there's that drama of, you know, what is, you know, what is going to happen in that palpable relief when, you know, Rob is safe and they've won, you know, they've won. And just, you know, just the, emo- like seeing it from her emotions on the sidelines, I, I really liked that chapter. And then, you know, frankly, Danny's final chapter with the birth of dragons. Again, I, I love like the vividness of the writing and kind of the magic. And, you know, there's very much like this lyricalness to it that I really like. So I'm thinking here, and I think the one, the I think it's Bran, is it Bran 1 or 2 where he falls? That's I my favorite. Two. Bran two. One of my, yeah, Bran. I think it's Bran 2, because I think yeah. 1 is when they find the dire one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bran, two is, <laughs> Bran 2 is 1. Yeah. Um, I can't remember which. There, it's funny, because some of these are not chapters we did on the reread, but... The Catelyn chapter where she basically leverages all of her family connections and takes Tyrion captive at the end. It, it's oh, just, yeah. I know it falls apart. I know it's a horrible thing. It, it's a big mistake, but it's such a great chapter. Um, and then I don't know. I, I've got a couple of contenders and I don't know that I have a solid third. And I like them for weird reasons. Like I honestly, the whole. <laughs> The whole thing with Sansa and the um, Arya and the kid, the poor kid who gets killed, but the whole sibling rivalry thing and the perfect, I mean, it's just, it's an awful chapter in terms of what happens, but it's just so many things about those characters that I love. And honestly, I think vying with that is one of the turny ones. Um, yeah, the oh, hands, those were I fun like the chapters. Turning, yeah. yeah, I like Sansa's. But, but like uh, the one where, um, I mean, everybody's drunk and leaving Sansa alone with the hound and it's just there's so much good writing in those it's just really hard to pick so it's one of those two how about you Clofo Bran Bran 2 is my favorite and then the Sansa 2 the hands turny and then I think um I think I I guess Area 5 because it's when it's all all comes to Mm -hmm. a head 
Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, when you think of it chapter by chapter, it's kind of amazing that you know there's you know um, you know none of us mentioned you know the King of the North, which is you know like a really <laughs> or even San- like I thought Sansa's final chapter where she you know has those thoughts of you know killing Joffrey is like a great chapter or any of you know. <laughs> Ned's chapters with his memories, like there's a lot of you know amazing chapters that were that were leaving on the ground here, which you know it's a yeah, great like book. with the the King of the North one, like I love that moment, but like I can't think of anything else from that chapter. Yeah, because that was one of the first ones I thought about. I was like, oh, King of the North for sure. And I was like, but what else happens in that chapter? And I just couldn't really. Mm-hmm. Without having to go look, think of what so, just happened. Maybe this leads into another question I had, which was like, what's your the best moment per se? So, I mean, to me, that, you know, if we're not going at the whole chapter, like that moment of, you know, the King of the North is, you know, right up there for me. It would be a toss up between King in the North and Danny birthing dragons. Mm-hmm. Is though mm, those are hard to top. <laughs> um, and I don't yeah. really know which one would come out on top if I really I- had to pick. I think I, I think it keeps going back to like brand getting pushed. It's not just because it's Jamie, but it was like for me that was before I was even you know, Jamie was much of a thought in my mind. It was like I just remember reading. I was like I thought brand like I had this really like a fitting out. I was like really like it. I was like oh my god, this is wild. Like I was did I just yeah. did he just die? Did I just you know it was such an intense thing. That was my first like big wow. Like that one always stands out. Like you know pretty much for most of the series that. You know, that one, and honestly, I mean, and again, it's hard because I was watching the show at the same time and things are all very confused in my mind. But the fact that Ned gets killed, I mean, Mm -hmm. that kind of comes out of left field for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a baller move because, like, he's presented as the hero and protagonist. And no matter how you slice it and no matter how complicated his character is, that's sort of where that's all, like, being written. And you even when he's in the black cells and he's up there about to be executed, you think something's going to happen, you know? So like, he's not supposed to, he's not supposed to die. In almost any other genre, he wouldn't. I mean, in any, or actually in the genre, he'd be saved. Something would happen. Um, So, but I also think I agree with Clotho about the brand being pushed from the tower. That's also like just huge for me. I think, Devin, you had another question from a listener. Yes. Um, Sadie and Wax Paper Door Discord, um, they ask, um, so having weathered season eight of the show and all of the fandom nonsense since, how has your view of the first book in the series changed? I mean, to me, I guess it just it divorces the books from the show. Uh, you know, just reading the books in general makes it. You know, the show is just such a disaster yeah. that it's like anytime you read the books, it's so it's frankly like to me, it's refreshing and it like it makes the show its own entity. And it it like lessens the, you know, like the characters still exist in the books to me. And, you yeah. know, as as disappointing as the show was, it can't ruin what's on the page for me. And I think it just reinforces that feeling. Yeah, I think that finally for me, like put it to bed, like it feels like come to terms with that except that that was the disaster it was but this is like a palate cleanser like yeah. able to like okay here we're back in this world that got us interested in all this you know i don't know that it's changed that much for me i mean 
Okay, I like pretty much from season four on of of a Game of Thrones on the TV show. It just started going rapidly downhill with the occasional mm. like plateau or peak where you got hopeful. But um, I thought their first season was pretty solid and fairly faithful. Um, and I think I don't think I would have read this series without the show. So it's hard for me to sort of totally divorce it. But like. I think, I don't know that there's that much difference for me. I mean, I, I still rewatch the first couple seasons of the show. Um, I don't know. This book, what really hit me on this reread, though, is just how well-written and how tight it is and how solid a book it is. It's yeah. just, you know, I, that's something that I just keep being struck by over and over with every chapter I read, just how taught everything is and there's none of this bloat that we get later on yes um i i kind of land on the same side how did you come on that um is i love i still love the first season of the show um it was like the um the question that was going around on twitter the other day what when um account acts give us your whatever opinion books that'll make have people like this with the knives pointed at you or whatever. Um, and there were, there was an overwhelming amount of the season. The uh, show just didn't get bad in season eight and people would go back and say, it really started in season five. And then there was some, well, really you could go back to season four and even season <laughs> three. And like, I don't think you can really go back to season one. Um, and it, cause it's so closely, um, yeah. here's the book and just how good it is um and so for me like i don't think my opinion on the book has changed much with the um presumably from that first season of the show and like on every reread i do i just i love the story and like you said kind of like how tight it is and just there's none of all the extra stuff that we get that we don't really need so was there something that you liked this time more than you yeah. have on other reads of this book you know, was there something that surprised you that you that you got into that you hadn't necessarily um, really gravitated towards in other rereads? I think, I mean, it was there before. I totally picked up on it before, but just the like with Sansa's chapters, particularly, just the amount of mental games she's playing to keep herself like protected and sane. And just how much she she recognizes and then immediately buries. I, I don't think I I knew it was there, but I don't think I appreciated it to the level that I found this time around. I appreciated the magical elements and the fantasy elements more than I um, more than I've appreciated prior. Um, and I found myself gravitating more to those aspects of the story. And it could have just been out of spite because it is the it, it is the kind of things that were left out of the show. And so, like, I, I definitely found myself gravitating to that more than I had before. I was the same way with this one, like everything magical. And I think it was because so much of it is left out of the show. And it was just everything about it this time through. I don't know if there's something a little better about it. Oh, and the wolves. Like, I definitely cared more about yeah. the wolves and not just, you know, when yes. the lady gets killed. Like, I, I yeah. found myself gravitating towards the connection of with them and their wolves more. Um, You know, along those same lines, though, was there something that you felt like you were bored with or, you know, just didn't connect with you as much as it had on other reads? 
some of Tyrion's stuff, I think, was just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just, you know, it was like, it didn't feel as like, I don't know, it was just not fresh or just, I'm more of, eye, like, I feel like I have more of an eye opening opinion about him. Yeah, I, yeah. I actually, I was listening to the episodes that were reposts to just sort of, it's just what I do. And, um, although it's always painful to hear my own self talk, but he just, I loved him so much the first time around. And now I'm just like, you misogynistic incel. I just don't care. I'm like, you know, I, it just, that did not work for me. I also think, I don't know. I was just maybe more conscious of the, um, the exoticism done for the Dothraki. And I didn't like it before, but it just seemed increasingly harder to take. And I, I kind of think that's partly with what's been going on in the world around us. And like, and also again, a closer read. Cause to be honest, I skipped through a lot of her stuff the first time Mm -hmm. around. Like I I would just skim through Danny's chapters and, but it definitely stood out much more on this as like, I don't, care for this and of course Tyrion he's been brought very low for me due to rereads I mean it's you know I have a another question in here about um you know what what does this book make you kind of excited for but to me it's almost a parallel in that you know Danny's storyline reading it was you know a different certainly a different experience this time you know to read it more closely but it also does make, and, and we've talked about this in like every single chapter, but it does make me excited to see what, you know, a really great writer is going to do with, with this world that he built back in the nineties, you know, like that to me is such an interesting challenge. And like, there was an article posted on Twitter yesterday that talked about how, um, you know, Marvel has like Marvel comic book writers have evolved the Dora, the, is it the Dora Milaje? I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but it's the mm-hmm. um, the warriors, the female warriors of, of Wakanda and kind of like how they've evolved through. I think they were created in the 80s, maybe, and and how they've evolved since then to be less of a, you know, not a stereotype, but characters with their own, you know, their own storylines, their own inner worlds, etc. And so it's like, you know, if that if this can happen in that world, there's no reason why George can't can't turn around what he's done with the Dothraki. And I mean, as, as much as like some of, you know, many of the things in her chapters, like sicken me, like I am excited to see what he does. Anyone else? It's hard. <laughs> You're all like rolling your eyes I'm at me talking about the Dothraki. Lot. I mean, and normally I have a <laughs> response and I'm just sort of like going, well, what really, what do I think here? You know, I think that's a good point. I think it could be, I mean, this is what's frustrating. Cause again, with the, Particularly with the second season, I thought like um, that. Who's that writer they had? That Vanessa Taylor, I think her name was. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like to have somebody who's coming in and who can take the best parts and like reimagine stuff. I mean, that's it's huge. Um, and that I mean, these books. I mean, writers are like when they're writing, it's a product of their time, and that's painfully clear. I mean, the '90s stuff. I mean, we've talked about this before. A lot of it with Danny's stuff is straight out of like, well, I don't know. George was reading like it's you know, a hero those romances, romance, but novel. that's what it's yeah. from. I mean, it's, yeah. So I just sort of, I like I periodically go back and I'll rewatch a film or I'll reread a book that I loved back in the day, and there's that sort of moment of horror. 
that sometimes happens when you go, oh, oh, you know, and it's like, I can't believe I liked this or thought. Sometimes yeah. it's like, I can't believe I didn't think there was a problem here. Um, so I, I mean, but we're also relics of our, you know, like we are all relics of the moment of, of our time too. And, you know, I, the world, you know, again, like that's kind of this book, the series has taken him so long that, I mean, what is this book? Is this book from like 1994 or something like that? I mean, this book is like 30 years old. I mean, it is, you know, that is, and you know, that is a relic. Like it's, it's like, you know, well, and I mean, I do wonder, like, is this the kind of stuff that where he gets lost, where he's like getting caught up and like, he's trying to write and then realizing that, you know, things he did. I, I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I kind of hope so, honestly, because, you know, the other thing is, you know, he's, he's living in New Mexico. He's living in, he's living with, you know, he would certainly have access to people that could write a, that could help him conceive of a better story and a better way. To, and when I say a better way to portray the Dothraki, I don't mean like less violent necessarily or, you know, quote unquote good, but just not as a, not as a mass of people that are just referred to as, you know, quote unquote the Dothraki, like that they are individual human beings with their own stories. I mean, he does it with Miri Mazdur. Like she's not just yeah. the lamb person. Like she has her, you know, she has her own inner world, her own story. And it, I don't think it necessarily has to be through a POV structure. Like we, you know, we don't need the elder brother to be a POV to like know him as a person, but we don't really know any of the Dothraki characters as people. Right. And that's what I think, you know, I would hope that, you know, he said that there, you know, he's indicated there's a lot of Dothraki in the Winds of Winter, and I would hope that we, you know, we get a better story. But again, I mean, I'm excited about that. I could also say I dread it. Because I don't know how to feel about it yet. I also know that in reality, we're never going to get it. So it doesn't really matter. Oh. It's hypothetical. But oh. I don't know what are, you know, having gone through this book, like, and, you know, thinking towards Winds, like, has it made you kind of excited potentially about other storylines that we might see in that book that doesn't exist. It's weird. It's, I mean, we'll be going on right to do a clash of Kings. And part of me is, I mean, this book is so good in terms of the way it's crafted. I mean, the problematic depictions of um, the Dothraki and a whole bunch of other stuff aside, it's such a tautly tightly constructed book. And, you start to feel the creep of that, like not being so great when you start with the next the book. I don't know. And I mean, by the time we get to dance, so I don't know. Part of me dreads wins. Cause I don't know if I can take more of, you know, <laughs> the food, the, this, the, that, the, that, I mean, yeah, it makes us feel so impatient. We've gotten this far and we're just going to get a lot of, you know, a lot of filler. Like, yeah. It's going to be another, version of like you know endless scenes of people eating honeyed locusts no i'm not excited <laughs> i i gotta be honest i mean oh yeah it makes me more i mean i'm always interested in brand story and i'm you know it does make me a little bit more interested in rickon because i think as we've gone through some of the winterfell chapters um you know people have been really insightful about like 
basically the psychological impact of everything that's happened to Rickon as he's been so young. And I think it's easy to be like, oh, he's a feral child. But I mean, it's more interesting than that. So I think seeing, you know, who he is, you know, potentially through Davos's eyes is going to be is something that would be really interesting. Uh, outside of everything else, I was already like that. I looked forward to in wins. I think that would be the new thing for me is Rickon, just because of uh, what some of the chapters where he was included in the winter spell stuff here, we did kind of talk a little more on him and what was going on with him um, in particular. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing like what is going on with him when we see him in wins and if OSHA is even still with him and like what and Shaggy Dog and just their entire dynamic. And once they link up with Davos and the unicorns too, I mean, and unicorns, of course, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the main thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, do we, do we have another listener question that we can dig into? Yes, we do. Um, so another we have is uh, Sadie and Wax Paper Door on Discord. Um, they asked, do you think the uh, the book has fulfilled all the promise of the prologue with the mystery of it and the others and a hint of several things to come? Um, this book in particular? No, I don't think it does. Yeah. Um, because as I said earlier, when I was speaking through one of my favorite chapters, the... Um, or my favorite POV, POV being Ned's, this story, this first book is so much about that and what is going on um, there in King's Landing. I mean, you have all the other POVs and their stories that are very good, but it's mostly about what's going on with Ned. And you really don't get outside of at the wall with um, the two ghosts finds a hand, the two guys, um, they, the two bodies they find, can't remember their names, but you get that. And then you get a little bit from OSHA and some of her stuff. And then here at the end, um, John's last chapter, when they say they're going on arranging for whatever is beyond the wall. And that's really all you get of that. Um, you don't really get much more of it, um, about, and that's what, I mean, the big, bad, the evil that has to be conquered at the, you know, at the end of the story, um, once it's all said and done, you don't really get much of it in the first book. So I don't think it does, you know, fulfill on that promise. Yeah, I would completely agree with everything you said. <laughs> How about Clotho comment? Any other comments on that one? I think it needed, again, I just said how great, how well written it was. But yeah, I think it... I think he got so caught up in the political stuff that it maybe this got pushed more to the side. Like, I think it needed a little more of that. Um, maybe even more vision since, you know, this, you know, this isn't the show. So we did see a lot of the characters have different visions and, you know, there could have been more, um, you know, more of a sense of, of that kind of doom out there for some of these characters. It's interesting, you know, it really does kind of end on these cliffhangers, but they're sort of triumphant, you know, at the birth of the dragons, Rob's the king, even, you know, Tyrion's going to King's Landing as the hand in his chapter, John's going yeah. around the wall, like, you know, Arya and Sansa kind of end, and Ned, Ned kind of ends on a downer, um, but, you know, some of these other characters are, um, you know, seemingly heading up, as it, as it were, and, you know, we don't necessarily get, a, we don't necessarily temper that with, um, you know, this greater threat. And maybe yeah. that's the point, that they are ignoring it. 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I felt like, you know, when I first started, I was like, I thought that was going to be as integral, like, just constantly showing up. And then it was like, it, almost like it just kind of disappears into the background, you know, and everybody keeps, you know, they're building up. Oh, it's just the fairy tales, just stories, just stories. It's like kind of a slow build. But, um, yeah, I definitely would like more information. Then even go I, further, like, I feel like because of what happened in the show, it's almost like they completely erased that there was any deeper meaning. Like, I hope that there's, mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope that that there is, there's clarification and things like that, you know, the white walkers and everything. So, yeah. And okay. that's the big bad and that it's not, yeah. you know, Cersei or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what character from the series do you wish that had been in this book and how would you have folded them into the storyline? So, Kama, this is your excuse, or your, you know, this is when you can talk about Stannis. <laughs> um, I do think he, he should have been, I don't know how, he's mentioned a few times, and I think, honestly, I don't know how you would, how he would have done it. I really don't know how to fold him in more than that, but, like, I think the problem is, is that unless you're doing a really close read of the book, you miss a lot of that stuff, so that when book two happens, it's like, Oh, wait, who is this guy? I mean, that was my problem with a lot of the succeeding books is like, wait a second, I was supposed to care. Um, So I don't know that I necessarily would have needed a lot of scenes with him or any scenes, but I think maybe having him mentioned more or more, I mean, just so that it was a little clearer who he was. I'm trying to think if there are other characters. I mean, most of them, I don't really know that there are many more that I'd, I mean, actually, and even with him, I don't even know if he would have needed more, like, an actual to be, like, a character that we see interacting. But I think he should have been mentioned more, maybe. Or there should have been a little bit more about, like, who he was as a character. I would agree with that. Because I don't, I don't think you can have Stannis in this book, as far as, I don't think he can appear like actually be in the book and it not be the same story. Because logically, I always think that, okay, before Robert dies, after he's feared by the boar and he's going to die and they're pretty sure of it, well, his brother would show up, you would think. But then that changes the rest of the story because, well, Mm. now Ned has Stannis there and Mm -hmm. you can't do the whole, you know, none of that works. But I, I would have liked more of Stannis somehow because, yeah, when you get the book too, what is going on? <laughs> it's just, I don't know these people um, because he, he's just not mentioned enough, um, as you said, Commissar. I think even just mentioning him more just would have been a little better, I think. But as far as like other characters, I don't think there's anyone because as, as we said, just how tightly this book is written, I don't think you would need any other characters, honestly. So I would have liked an Easter egg of Oberyn being at Danny and Drogo's wedding because it sort of oh, plot wise would make oh, some sense. I like and I could this. see him cool. like participating <laughs> it. And then, you know, like, oh, we kind of see this cool, you know, this cool like and, he, you know, could have had a couple lines of dialogue with Danny. And, you know, just because I assume that Oberyn was in on Doran's plot here and, you know, just had a couple, you know, couple mm-hmm. lines with her to like, so then when we see him in a storm of swords, it's like very exciting. Like, Oh my God, this cool guy again. So then it's even worse when he dies. Like I, I yeah. would have liked to have oh. seen yeah. him as like an Easter egg. And then I was trying to figure out how he could fit Brienne in here. Oh and, yeah. Um, <laughs> 
I mean, you know, like there's, she could have been, you know, she could have certainly been at the tourney. You know, we see Loras, we see, you know, she certainly could have been in the melee. Um, yeah. Just as, again, probably not anything meaningful, really, but, you know, as a, you know, some kind of, you know, some kind of Easter egg, really. And I was trying to also think of how to fit in Asha, but I think it just works so much better to have her introduced when Theon goes to Pike. Like, it wouldn't make any sense for her. Because I think, like, if you start... This is the problem. Like, this is where you get into issues. It's like, this is why there are a zillion Targaryens with different colored hair. Like, who the hell cares? <laughs> but, like, um, you get, like, you add too much of this in with, it, and it's not, if it's not done skillfully, then it's just stuff like, oh my God, they're going to list off all of these kids and I've got to go through this and maybe these people, like, it's just too much. I mean, he, yeah, he does have an appendix, yeah. so... You know, right. I mean, these people like, are mentioned. Yeah, it's sort of like, like, I don't know how much you can add. Like, you could take certain characters, but then it's just like, is this stuff we need to care about? You know, it just gets to a point like where, oh, this is just a big exposition dump. So it has to be done really well, and it's it, that's not easy to do. I mean, that he does it at all is pretty incredible. Yeah, I, I really like that idea of Oberyn being at um, yeah. Danny and Drogo's wedding because then when he comes back later and it's explained that well he's been all over the yeah. world and he's not like it would it would it would make sense that he was there just as I was traveling there was a wedding going on why not um, <laughs> and I, I think that would have been a really cool he started dropping but knowing George he would have started writing over and stuff and we never would have got away from him. (laughs) (laughs) That's yeah, that's probably probably unfortunately true. Um, I think we have one more listener question. Is that right? Yes, we do. We have one more listener question. Um, So from Buck O'Hare on discord, um, I asked, what is the connection to the star and the events that have occurred. I'm guessing the Red Comet no. is what they mean by the um, the star. Um, they also ask how differently how differently do you feel about the book on reread, which we already discussed. Yeah. I, um, I mean, is the comet really? I mean, I feel like the comet comes in more in a Clash of Kings, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I think it's seen in this first book. Um, is it in the first book? Oh yeah, before they. Um, before they Drogo's funeral pyre is seen okay. there. Um, I don't think that I, I think Bran sees it in the second book. Maybe is that when we first? I see think it? so I because remember. like they're talking about what it means, and then doesn't is it yes. Osha that says it's dragons? Yes. Dragons, well, they, yes. Well, yeah, they have that whole like. Says it's dragons. And she points Osha out that different people are saying different things. I think. I mean, I I yes. like it in terms of you know again those like magical you know, the magical elements of it. I don't, I don't think there's one meaning to it. I think what, what each individual person, because several different people think it means something different. Mm -hmm. I think it means whatever that person wants it to mean. Like at the end of the day, um, I I do lean more closely towards dragons just because it's when Danny's dragons come and old man like specifically says dragons. Um, but at the end of that, I think it's whatever each person thinks. Just like in, I think in King's Landing, they call it Joffrey's Comet or King yeah. Joffrey's Comet. Can you imagine? Uh, yeah. That's all. Joffrey's <laughs> Comet. Oh, Lord. And even the Night's oh, Watch, God. while they're out on their ranging, uh, what do they call it? Mormont's Torch. 
Um, oh, that's kind of nice. And so, yeah, so I think it's whatever it is for whoever's looking at it at that time is what I kind of go with with the comment. So I've got two questions left for us. So I've been trying to keep it fairly positive. So I have one negative and then we'll end on a positive one. So what is the cringiest non-Danny moment of this book for you? <laughs> the cringiest non-Danny moment. Oh. <sighs> There's that line where John's like, Ugh, I'm a bastard and I don't belong anywhere. I, he didn't actually say that, but <laughs> just <laughs> from a moment where he just, those moments of John always just make me ugh. like the overly mopiness of it. Yes. Yeah. The emo. I think it's, I mean, it's a, I don't know if cringy is the right word, but just, um, well, okay. First of all, it, it wasn't in this specific reread, but in this book, it's Liza breastfeeding Robin at like eight years old. Um, oh, I, forgot yeah. that's, that's but pretty bad. I think, you know, some of like the, personal liberties taken with Sansa, you know, just like the matter of factness that they talk about, you know, about her and her body and stuff is like pretty disturbing. And yeah. I think there's a part where they're like, they, you know, Pycelle gives an examination maybe even. And it's, yeah, that's pretty cringy. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's all the grooming stuff is just disgusting. Yeah. Everything I think of is Danny. So I can't go. I know. That's why I have to specify. That's everything is Danny. Robert. <laughs> thing there or something but <laughs> yeah it's just, there's just i think it's like the sexualization of these preteen and teenage the girls kid, yeah. it's just disgusting and again a lot of this i thought it was disgusting when i read it but yeah. you know, especially now you know all the mm-hmm. stuff that's been going on in the world i'm just i am so not here for this anymore well, just, you know our our values change too or you know i mean it's again I it's think, the relic. you know what it is it's like before 2016 i used to occasionally like to read and watch dystopic stuff and then we started living it and i'm like no (laughs) done i'm not here for this i i i just i'm not and i think it's it's not that i didn't i wasn't grossed out for an escape i I can't anymore i well i just i'm done with it i'm over it i have zero fucks given for the i'm no we're done you know peter baelish can go die i mean i just (laughs) So, like, yeah. So, um, okay. Actually, I might have two uh, two questions. Um, who's the hero of this book to you? When you think when you think about it, like, who do you feel like is the hero of it? Ned. I mean, I know a lot of the people on this panel don't particularly care for him. No, or, I mean, I you know, is him. but I, I think mean, he's presented as the hero. He, you know, he sacrifices for his children. Trying to do the right thing and maybe how he does it isn't always the right way and it backfires spectacularly, but I think he's still the hero. Yeah. I could buy that. Yeah, I think I think I would agree with that. And on a smaller level, Miriam has I was gonna say either him or Miriam has And Danny's ninth chapter. Yeah. Mary Maz is kind of a, yeah, she might be the, the sub hero. So then final question for you guys, as we, you know, close out, literally close this book and get into a clash of Kings. Um, what's something in a clash of Kings that you're looking forward to rereading and discussing? Keeping in mind, I should amend this, like keeping in mind that we've already read Tyrion and cat chapter. So it won't be any of those. <laughs> so I think a lot of the Stannis stuff is just, 
I love it so much. Um, also, the beginning of the Jamie Brienne kind of, like, as we get more into that, obviously. But, I mean, yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Me, oh, well, I think for me, Arya, because this is where we get um, Gendry, Hot Pie, like, all, all of that, and Heron Hall. Like, I, I really love that stuff. So I'm looking forward to reading that again. I'm looking forward to Theon. Um, oh, yeah. And also the interplay of of Theon and Bran in Winterfell. Interesting. Oh, and also, be, you know, again, we've already done Tyrion, but but we started a Sansa reread with the Storm of Swords. So I'm looking forward to um, Sansa's Sansa's chapters, particularly the Blackwater chapters. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. oh and the stuff beyond the wall, that as well. All the Night's Watch. Oh, um, yeah. So they get into Jojen and Amira. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we get Jojen and Amira. Yeah. Little stuff happening. So, I mean, that's, you know, it, <laughs> we don't, did we, we say goodbye to Ned, but we get to say hello <laughs> to um, to all these others. Any other kind of last thoughts on A Game of Thrones that anyone has? Um, I think this still holds as my favorite book. I don't think it's the best of the series, but it's definitely definitely my favorite book of the series. And we'll see if that changes as we go through these other yeah. rereads. But as of now, it's definitely my favorite of the series. And has been, pretty much. Anyone else? Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. I think, I think maybe, I think I would argue... Though again, we'll see when we get to it that A Storm of Swords is the best written of the five that we have, but this is probably still my favorite. Oh, see, I feel like something's going to really have to hit me to to leap over Feast. Feast for Grosia. But again, like I feel, you know, I actually feel like I we have like we've read a lot of you know we had read a lot of chapters in this book and you know Tyrion and Cat are very big POVs in A Clash of Kings but there's a lot that we haven't read in this book before and there's a lot of characters that we haven't necessarily talked about that much or storylines that we haven't talked about that much so I feel like you know for us as a podcast like it's kind of exciting it feels kind of fresh and you know to Devin's point like we actually haven't done a lot with Arya on this podcast and Mm -hmm. you know this is, you know, her world and her storyline explodes kind of. So, I mean, there's really, um, you know, a, a lot of newness for us, which I think is exciting. And, um, you know, so as we get in, as we get into a Clash of Kings, we would love your questions and you can reach us at close the door and at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at door podcast. You can find us on Tumblr at close the door and come here. You can visit the Jamie and Brienne subreddit and um, if you'd like to support Close the Door and Come Here, you can f- support us on Patreon. And please continue to um, like, subscribe, and listen to us on Podbean, on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And with that, I'm going to close the book on A Game of Thrones and close the door. Get out. <laughs>